Hi everyone, and welcome back to The Blast Podcast, a show where we believe movies can be more than just movies. I'm Steve Watts, joined as always by my co-host Ty Patterson, and today we brought back our animation expert from our Oscar shorts pod, Jake Culp. Jake, welcome back to the pod. Oh, it's a pleasure being here a second time. This is a bonus episode because we just couldn't wait a full week to talk about this fantastic, amazing, dare I say, perfect movie. Uh, Today we will be discussing Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1. wanted to start this conversation with a question, and that is, what does Spider-Man mean to you? Um, And if you guys want me to go first to give you some time to uh, prepare for this, I'm, I'm happy to. Emergency pod, please kick it off. Awesome. Uh, (laughs) So, coming out of the theater, this is really all I could think about, because part of what I think makes Spider-Man so special is that I think he means something different to everybody who's seen these movies. Like, uh, a lot of people grew up with Tobey Maguire's movies, and they might think of Spider-Man as a completely different person than the people who grew up with Garfield and Holland and now Miles Morales. Um, So, I have a just a couple of pretty impactful spider-man memories that i wanted to break down real quick and kind of share what they mean to me and encourage you guys to do the same if you have any stories that just pop into your head um but the first one is just that toby's spider-man one was the first dvd that i ever owned um as as ty at least knows i now have a collection of like 200 maybe 250 uh dvds and this was a gift for my grandma on my birthday when I was eight years old. Um, I remember watching it on those little like portable like DVD player with the screen attached things that I would always bring in a car for like whatever road trips uh, we were doing to see relatives or whatever. And I just watched the shit out of that movie. I probably watched it like twenty plus times in in the year and. As a kid, I think I just loved that Spider-Man was a guy who was purely and simply good. Like, even Luke Skywalker was killing millions and millions of people in the Death Star. This is somebody who who couldn't be corrupted to even do something like that. Um, And he was someone who would always do the right thing and look out for the little guy. I think that was pretty important to me growing up. For me, it's always been... Like, I feel like everyone keeps coming back to either Spider-Man's your guy or Batman's your guy. I'm sure there's also Superman truthers. But for me, the distinction in why Spider-Man is always special is in the same sense of Batman having a moral compass and trying to do the right thing. Spider-Man is also juggling being an average Joe like us. Boots on the ground, student, trying to juggle getting the girl keeping his parents happy but internalizing the struggle that is being spider-man that i think is what makes him special that's kind of what i wanted to say with um that's that's how i saw the amazing spider-man one and two and as you both know i'm big truthers about these movies i think andrew garfield is the best spider-man and i think these movies are the best spider-man movies but um, I also have a great story about it, and it is that watching TASM 1 and TASM 2 is one of the best first dates I've ever been on. Oh. I hadn't watched them in a long, long time, and this girl I was talking to had never seen them. Uh, she invited me over after work, and we marathoned them both in one night. 
completely fumbled the bag, didn't kiss her while we were alone at her apartment watching a movie in the dark. But uh, <laughs> it's a story for another day. Um, she completely bawled when Gwen fell to her death, and I have always thought that that is maybe the greatest comic book movie moment of all time. Um, and since then, I think the song, The Rest of My Life, has kind of always been a reminder of just that that time of my life, those those that year or so. And um, at that point in my life, I was able to kind of realize the burden of Spider-Man and how torturous like that life would kind of be to to live it and be alone and lose pretty much everyone you love. Yeah, for me, Spider-Man, I mean, I'm you know we talked about uh the amazing spider-man i was always a toby mcguire spider-man kind of guy because i didn't go to a lot of movies when i was like younger younger but when they came out after they came out like all the good movies used to come out um and go on either fx or tnt like on like sunday afternoons and that's like the only movies i'd watch i'd always watch them with my dad and it was like those it was the spider-man one and two like the original and then all like the star wars movies which is why i love all those so much but (laughs) I just remember that was like my first exposure to any comic book hero as pretty much all kids anywhere near our age. Um, And it was just so, I thought forever that he was like the only superhero basically. Um, And, and, you know, once Marvel started picking up and then there was like the, the reveal of him in Captain America civil war. I remember being so hyped because I was like, right. That was like, Oh my God, we got Spider-Man like in, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't Toby or it wasn't Andrew, but we have Spider-Man, a Spider-Man in, like, our other um, hero universes that are now so popular because he was so, like, for kids our age, I feel like he was so above what all these other superhero stories were. That's what he never crossed over with anyone. So to see him with everybody else was, like, that was when I think I finally connected that, like, Spider-Man is technically with everybody else. But I for me, he still is, you know at least in the u.s and america at least for our generation like the superhero above all else okay it's funny because you're describing this excitement and in my notes all i have is that holland's movies if anything made me realize that i'm grown up and i don't have any fun anymore and i hate myself and maybe i'm past superheroes (laughs) (laughs) jake jake you're bringing me back to a time of happiness i like vividly remember seeing like watching that teaser trailer in my broadcast journalism class and the reveal the the under roofs like spider-man like leaping into frame but then going in to see that movie and them skipping over the origin story and how like that was a big deal and that tony stark was playing the uncle Be- uncle ben figure in homecoming they just uh yeah cool stuff the only other story that i wanted to bring up steve you've probably heard this at least eight times now but jake <laughs> i'll bring you in the the only movie my dad had taken me to see as a kid up until like three years ago was Spider-Man 3. So 2008, that was okay. That was yep. the only time he took me to the movies alone. And that should give you an idea of how much, one, those first two Spider-Man movies meant to me, but also how, how cool that movie and that trilogy had to have been to get my dad to sign up to go to the theater. I mean, those Raimi movies, they were, they were big time in the moment. I mean, still today, but that... that that early 2000s gauntlet it was no joke 
Yeah. I, I would make the argument that the sorry that the Raimi movies saved probably comic book superhero movies like and let them come back because if you think about everything else at the time it was it, most of them were flops at least I know the original Fantastic Four weren't too bad but like yeah watch your I mouth like the, watch your mouth I, I'm not, let me let me let me let me just make sure but but I felt like that one really brought back it ushered comic book heroes back into like. Digital or media, our media, the forefront, absolutely the forefront, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, I don't think um, Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy happens probably without Raimi's Spider Man trilogy, right? Agreed, agreed. Yeah, awesome. I can't imagine. Um, all right, then, if you guys are good to go, uh, we can dive into our theater experience with Spider Man Across the Spider Verse Part One. Sure, I can I can go first because it's still fresh awesome. in my head. I did. Just saw a 6.30 screening for this. All day I'd been waiting. I stayed off social media, which is something that I haven't had a chance to do for a movie in a long time. I think the last time was Endgame where I legitimately deleted Instagram, YouTube even. Like, I stayed off Safari. Like, I, it was no joke, airtight. And I wanted to do that for this movie because I started to hear a lot of great buzz and I didn't want it spoiled for me. So I'm off socials pretty much all day. I'm driving to the theater after work, and I'm ripping What's Up Danger. I've got a 25-minute car ride, and I legit listen to the song <laughs> the entire way to the theater. <laughs> and I, it's funny because I don't know if this is what they did at your theater, and I, this is kind of a question for you guys, but there were two like big previews. One, there was like a 15 to 20 minute animated short that looked like straight off Disney XD of like Kid Peter and Kid Gwen, like working as a team to beat Goblin and Rhino. You guys did not. No, I didn't. I didn't get that. No, it was legitimately something like you'd see on Nickelodeon at 630 in the morning. It was bizarre. (laughs) Uh, But no, after that, there was a uh, Into the Spider-Verse montage and playing was the What's Up Danger song. So I just spent 25 minutes in the car ripping it and then got to the theater and had to listen to it again. I'm, you know, sitting alone in the corner, just nodding my head, like still locked in. And I, I've mentioned this before with this theater. Jake, I'll bring you up to speed, but I went to the Avalon. This is just all-time favorite theater right now. Opera House turned IMAX experience. But what they do is they, they have a lot of nostalgic uh, aesthetic when it comes to presentation. And a lot of their previews are old movies. Sometimes they have tickets for it. Sometimes it's just for fun. But there were two, mm-hmm. two trailers before the movie that I just got so hyped for. One, Space Jam, the original. I don't necessarily love this movie, but they just the, the trailer that was like brought in, I can just... It just put a huge smile on my face. The next trailer, though, gave me legit, like, goosebumps, hair sticking up on my arms. Tron Legacy will be... uh, Awesome. Dude, I just smiled ear to ear. Such a great trailer and the perfect theater movie, I feel, like, aesthetic-wise. That movie deserves so much more buzz than it got. I will definitely sit down and watch that in the theater. That movie, I have pretty much the same experience you did with Spider-Man 3 with my dad taking me to it. Oh, that's such a great memory. I mean, I didn't realize that came out in 2010. 
Yeah. It is old. It. I will mention though, I was cracking up to myself. They only briefly showed young Josh Brolin, like the bad CGI Josh <laughs> Brolin. Smart of smart of the smart of the marketing team on that. But um, so no. Now I'll get into the actual movie part without talking plot points. I for the first 15 to 20 minutes I am just I'm sucked in almost immediately. I love that and again without giving anything away, it subverted my expectations quite heavily from what I was expecting the opening to be. And I think once the the titles, like title crawl happened or the name drop happened, I already knew that we were destined for something great. It was about an hour in when I had already started to consider it as the best comic book movie I had ever seen. And then with 30 minutes left in, in the movie, I, I, it was pretty much a no brainer that this was the best superhero movie I had ever seen and probably was going to crack my top 10 list. After the movie, I powered my phone back up. I texted you guys. Hey, is there a post credit scene? I didn't really care. I was just stalling while I was screen recording my notes because yeah. I immediately deleted Hereditary from my 10 spot and yes. popped in Spider-Verse 2. <laughs> Steve wins. He was excited. He was excited. <laughs> I win. Uh, it's a win-win for me because either you expand your list like I've been telling you to do for like three years or Hereditary is off it for good. Yep. You got what you wanted. And that was so funny because I was just to piss you off, I was going to put Spider-Verse at 11 and just like make it a, a top 11 list. God. <laughs> but no. I would have killed you. I the the credits rolled, the theater erupted in applause. And you could tell like there were several moments in the movie that everyone wanted to clap, but everyone was respectful of each other during the the experience. It was like everyone was engulfed at the same time and didn't want to ruin anyone else's experience. It was a super cool watch. Awesome. Um I'll take it away if that's if that's good then. I'm all um, set. So I was planning to see this last night, and then I woke up feeling just absolutely terrible. Uh, caught caught a bug or something, so I ended up having to push it till today. And I had promised my friends I'd go golfing, so I ended up going to an 11 a.m. showing of this, which, for those of you who don't know me, is like the earliest I've woken up in in weeks um <laughs> in years <laughs> that's, yeah, probably. that's yeah maybe um but this this brought me back to a better time of going to see movies um my sister when she was home from college summer vacations would always take me to 10 a.m matinees on on tuesdays of just the random movies that they'd show at kendall 10 back then and, like, to give you an idea, the two I can think of are After Earth and Pixels. The, wow, what a two-movie gauntlet right there. Yeah, yeah. There, is, there are another couple, but um, I, I couldn't remember them, even, even trying to research them. But she used to always sneak in donut holes in her purse when we'd go. So I, I swung by the Jewel Osco on, on the way over. And I grabbed a, a box of donut holes and realized that I wasn't going to be able to fit them into my hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> so I MacGyvered away to get them in there, and I was, I was back living my best life. Um, but 
as far as the theater experience for this movie itself, um, it was it was fairly good. Uh, it was an early showing, so there were a lot of kids there, but that's to be expected, and they weren't like obnoxious or anything. Um, I will say, trailer-wise, I did not get as lucky as Utah. I saw the trailer for The Flash, which is awesome. An Indiana Jones legacy trailer, which I welcomed, but then was pissed off because I missed all of their like early screenings of the past four movies, and then uh, Transformers. But otherwise, I honestly can't even tell you like anything about what my theater looked like. I was just locked in on the screen from the moment this movie started, and till till the moment it ended. Sounds about right, dude. It sounds about right for an 11 a.m. showing on a Friday. Yeah. Uh, but if it's all, if you guys are all good, I'll jump into mine. Basically, Katrina and I went last night, uh, went to an earlier show. And so she got, uh, after she got off work, got all ready and came over to my place because we were a couple minutes apart. And she, when she got here, she was like, oh, you actually really want to go to this because I was like ready. Because whenever she comes over, I'm not going to lie. Like most <laughs> of the time I'm, I'm lollygagging, you know, I'm watching something. She was, uh, she was, she was shocked. She was like, oh, so we got going, we got food and then we headed over. We have a local Cinemark 20 seater. It's got like the reclining chairs. Oh, it's a dream. I'm going to miss that place a lot. <laughs> um, so we get in and it's a pretty full crowd. It's a, it's like a seven thirty seven forty five show, something like that. And it was, it was good reaction. It was mostly like you guys said, you know, uh, you could feel the energy in there. You know, again, I was same as you guys. I was locked in. Um, it was a blast. I, everyone was, you know, we were laughing at the funny stuff getting, you know, you feel, you could feel the tension in it. The one thing that happened, and this was like an hour, 30 hour, 45 in, I swear to God, somebody in our row rips ass during one of the one of the quiet scenes. <laughs> I swear to God, and, and, and everybody could hear. I can tell you, everybody could hear that thing. And so they're like laughing at with it, and I'm like, "All right, guys. Normally I would laugh with you, but in this moment, I need you to shut up so I can like focus on what's happening." Um, but other than that, it was perfect. Other than that, it was a great experience. But that was definitely like, because we're like an hour and forty minutes of just locked in, and then just right the most random moment, just that blocker. But otherwise, it was a great experience. That, it was a lot of fun. That is awesome. I don't want to get too off track, but I have a story very not very similar but just i was so locked into a movie i was just dialed in it was the opening night of avengers endgame both of you know Mm. like i mean i I was about as big of a nerd as one can get i i showed up an hour early to a a movie i had pre-selected seats to (laughs) jesus christ waiting for this movie to start for an hour the whole theater rolls in and the guy sitting right behind me just reeks of weed. So I'm already just like on edge. Like, you're ruining my moment, man. And then he's talking. Like, and he's barely even talking as like the like title crawl comes in or like right as Hawkeye's scene starts. He's like just ending his conversation. I'm like, dude, not this movie. Like, I, I, I turned around. I'm like, dude, not this movie. I need you to be quiet. <laughs> and I, I turned back around. I'm, I'm not messing around. Um, it just, you made me think of that. It was, it was a great, great laugh. 
in my Spider-Verse showing today, I don't want to spoil it all right now, but in the first, like, ten minutes of the movie, a character draws a gun on another character, and um, it is a very silent and, like, kind of scary moment, almost, and somebody in the very back row of my theater goes, pew, 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 <laughs> and everybody just erupts in laughter. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, oh, man. That's, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. At 11 o'clock, too. Just having fun. Yeah, it's <laughs> too <laughs> it's early for this shit. 15 in the morning. <laughs> oh. Um, oh. All right, then. Are you guys ready for some spoiler-free thoughts, then? Let's get right down to business. I would like to start this off, if that's okay. Awesome. Yeah. Because to avoid spoilers, I really, for me, I have two comps for this movie, and... For those reasons, I don't really want to spoil a whole lot of plot points in my talking points right now. I would say that this, the way I explained it to my uncles when I got back was, I now understand what it was like to see Empire Strikes Back um, when when they saw it. Just like a special sequel to a special like first movie. Just doubled down on everything that worked, but like elevated it beyond what i could have ever expected and i just can't wait for the third movie my other thing i called my cousin right after the movie and i told him look you need to go see the first movie and then we will go again we will go see the second movie this weekend you didn't get a chance to see blade runner 2049 in the theaters and i'm telling you this is about as special of a theater experience as one can get as far as just technical mastery and if you want that experience you got to go see this on the big screen yeah yeah uh, it's it's an awesome in theater experience um at right after this i texted ty that after part two i think the total across the spider-verse like dilogy i guess is going to be the greatest superhero movie of all time if it isn't already um but yeah, there there are a lot of a lot of great things about this movie. The first thing that I did have noted is something Jake and I discussed very briefly over text, which is that there are a lot of cameos in this, and they are all done very very well. Yeah, uh, cameos beyond what I could have ever imagined. And I, you mentioned like you felt like a kid watching this movie. I had a lot of being a kid moments. I was the dork in the back corner alone going. <gasps> Or, no way, no way, yeah. no way yeah. they did that. <laughs> um, no, they did it, it right. Was, they did it right. They did. They did. They didn't, like, devote the entire plot to it like No Way Home did. Um, and they were still able to, I think, honor a lot of a lot of the things that made Spider-Man special to different people. Okay, that is a great point. I think one of this movie's strongest elements is that, like you said, it really showcases what it what it means to be spider-man and yeah. having to deal with all of the consequences of being spider-man and it is through and through pretty much from start to finish that is one of the bigger themes of the movie and that was awesome it is it was um also just incredible voice acting in this oh. by just about everyone oh. um have, have, did any of you watch Incredible Crew growing up? No. I did not. 
it was like this weird sketch comedy show. Um, I pulled up a few clips to show Morgan because as far as I know, this is Shamik Moore's very first performance. And like one of my favorite skits as a kid, one of my favorite, like most watched YouTube videos was from the incredible crew. And it's Shamik Moore walking into, uh, into frame and he goes, this is screaming at soup. And then this kid just screams at a bowl of soup for like 30 seconds and <laughs> Shamik comes back and he says, this has been screaming at soup. Um, and that's all I can ever think about when I see Miles Morales. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, he is so good. Sorry, Jake, go ahead. No, no, it's okay. Steve, did you have anything you want to finish? Uh, yeah. I also wanted to point out Oscar Isaac's incredible performance as Spider-Man 2099 and Daniel Kaluuya's, absolutely amazing performance as as uh what's his name hobie that was kaluuya yep it was oh i wish i knew that going in oh man oh man of course i knew i i knew i that's why i liked him (laughs) yeah uh jake do you want to take a turn real quick yeah absolutely i i mean if i could like physically emphasize every single statement you guys have made i would because all of these are my thoughts the one the empire strikes back one i saw something like a month ago from you know one of those media movie watchers that like get to go see it early and they had mentioned empire strikes back in their review i was like man that's like that's a big statement the exact same vibe when i like when movie finished i was like nope i get it that's that's this is that this is our version of that um Oh my god! And again, Daniel Kaluuya, amazing, I'm absolutely amazing Spider Punk. Because when he came in, for me, I was like, you know, I'm trying to ride with my guy Miles, especially at the beginning. And I was, I was, he had to prove it to me that he was dope. Oh my god, Spider Punk, probably my favorite like character in the movie. Easily my new favorite new character out of this like second uh, part of the trilogy. But yeah, I every part of it was incredible. It really was just the visual design of the different worlds. Cause you know, we get like glimpses of the different worlds in the first movie, yeah. but we're not really interacting with them. We're just interacting with miles's world. This one, you get all these different ones and it just feels so unique and different. And, and again, not to spoil anything, the way they do spider Gwen's world. Oh, I was, I yeah. might like stunning for me. I was the whole time just freaking out and the cameos, like you mentioned, Steve, I was like looking at Katrina, like freaking out, and she's just like rolling her eyes at me, like this guy is embarrassing me right now. No, I'm kidding, but but like, oh, incredible! No, Chef's Kiss, everything everyone said is exactly how I feel about it. Um, yeah, I did want to point that out as well. This I think improves upon just about everything that the animation in the first one did very well. It still feels straight from a comic book, and I think. It does a really good job experimenting with some more out there art styles and it especially impressed me with the use of color throughout this entire movie agreed i that's the best way i could put it i mentioned empire strikes back being the comp for this movie and it wasn't just because of the 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 plot and how it how it leads to like an, an awesome third movie. I was more so referring to, I, I would imagine when the original Star Wars came out, people were like, wow, this is just the pinnacle of visual effects. This is the future. Yeah. And then the sequel comes out and just does everything better. 
somehow after 2018 Spider-Verse where everyone said this is the pinnacle of animation, they somehow improved on every aspect, doubled, tripled, even quadrupled down on all of the elements, learned ways to improve. It was it was really special. It was cool. Yeah. Um it it's it's truly a work of art, I think, in every frame here. And um I did also want to point out though that this is very, very well written as well. Uh this is I think the strongest character work in a superhero movie that I've seen potentially ever, unless you count everything everywhere all at once. I would even argue it has better writing than that movie, which is I crazy. It sounds crazy to say right now, but it is. I mean, I there was not a second. That's a. It's a quick two hours and twenty minutes. That's the best way I put it. Yeah. <clears throat> is when you go to a good movie, you know it's good when you you're in two hours and twenty minutes didn't even notice. Like I'm like sitting there, my popcorn isn't even finished. Like I was I was like focused and locked in. I'm like already, every single plot point arc. It was oh fantastic, fantastic character development. I would yeah. I would be uh, sorry, man. Um, I would be disappointed in myself if I didn't at least shout it out. The score here by Pemberton is just magical. I can't wait to listen to it top to bottom when we hop off this pod. It was unbelievable. Funny enough, when I texted my friend that I was going to see this movie today, he was like, "No way! I'm listening to the music right now. Metro Boomin dropped an album." <laughs> <laughs> okay well I, yeah hey you know what metro boomin did a great job too i loved all of the the like actual music in it but you know me mm-hmm. i'm the dork that listens to music with no words so i'll be leaning <laughs> pemberton for the next couple of months i think yeah. within it was definitely in that opening scene when you see um this isn't a spoiler there's there's just a specific character entrance and their theme music we hear for the first time and i'm Mm -hmm. already like yep pemberton did it again this is gonna be just an ultimate heat check oh man it's it's an amazing score do you guys have anything else before we can jump into spoiler territory I mean, I, I, the one thing I felt bad is that I didn't feel bad, but I didn't shout out the other great voice actors that I loved, which were Brian Tyree Henry awesome. as, as Jefferson Davis was awesome. And then I love Andy Samberg. Like that guy, I love Brooklyn yeah. Nine-Nine. Like I think he's an awesome, awesome actor and just an awesome artist. And I thought he did. I, he, there, he had a lot more Ben Riley lines than I expected and i was so happy with it he's just the, he's the perfect himbo he's my representation <laughs> i'm not i wouldn't call myself a, a, like cute but i'm definitely dumb like a himbo and he is that was me everything he said is something i've definitely told katrina before in my life that's awesome <laughs> i'm so embarrassed i'm usually way better about spotting voice actors i uh i really need to do my homework next time i didn't even realize that's ben o'reilly or ben riley whatever his name is yeah, oh, cool. dude. Now it's it was a it was another heat check. Um, there's like eight Dion waiters in this movie. <laughs> uh, uh, that said, I think we are good to go into the spoiler territory and jumping back to what Ty said, which is why I wanted to transition in here. Is all day there's been only two songs that I've listened to 
since going to see this movie, and it is first Spider-Man 2099's entrance, and second, the rest of my life from The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Oh, I um, I have another honorable mention before you keep going from the yeah. score. I don't want to talk about the scene yet, but the song is at the end of the the soundtrack called The Anomaly. And oh, I can't wait to talk about the anomaly when we get there. But Awesome. Sorry. Please continue. Um so the first question I kinda wanted to ask in the spoiler discussion is is Gwen a Sigma? Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh dude, that first opening, oh my gosh, she came I was like, I knew Gwen had it in her from the first movie. She came out absolutely throwing hands i was like yeah no she's she's s tier she's absolutely s tier she's i didn't like any bands so i made my own (laughs) she's the embodiment of spider-man but to add to her like sigma archetype her world basically looks like a telltale walking dead video game so just so fitting that um it just she fits the mold awesome um what do you guys think of Spot as a villain? Awesome. Awesome. And oh my God. for me, like, they did it perfectly where they made it seem like he was going to be just, quote unquote, the villain of the week. And his origin story of being the guy that Miles hit with a bagel, <laughs> I think is just so fitting for just the concept of Spider-Man having to deal with this deal with the consequences of being spider-man and the consequences of all of his actions what a butterfly effect moment Uh, um i thought that was really cool and then i really like that we don't get a lot of him in the second and definitely not the third act of the movie and it, it like sets up at the end of the movie when he comes back that he's gonna be a a presence um to be feared in the final movie. I thought I thought they did it really well. I think they did too. I think there's uh definitely still some room for improvement. I think like to me, I think Spot was the weakest part of this movie even though I uh, you guys know that I gave this a 10 out of 10 and I think that it is truly amazing. Um so not a knock, not that they did it poorly, but this was just the weakest part for me. I think that um I trust them to get him like really going in part two. And I think that they did a great job at kind of sidelining him with his own like separate quest so that we could see the character work that uh, was happening with miles. And I will say that yes, spot is being marketed and almost presented as the main villain, but he's nowhere near as interesting as Miguel Spider-Man 2099 if you want to call him a villain but I think he is the far more interesting character and I think they made the better choice leaning that route for this movie I think so too yeah uh Jake what do you think so I'll say I agree but the spider spider-man 99 Miguel O'Hara being more interesting more depth you know I, I think of that <clears throat> first scene where he's coming to help Gwen and he's kind of got the 16th century villain, whatever, whatever he is, the paper mache villain. And he like is about to like become a vampire, which they make a reference to 
or whatever he is, right? And then the light shines on him. So you see it for a second, then it goes away. And I'm just like, who is this? Like, who is he? Like, what is it? What is his capabilities? What is his power? And it's just, they never expand on it anymore. They just basically expand on his like demeanor and his yeah. like his anger and things of that sort. But but going on to Spot, sorry, I know that's more of the next topic, but I think Spot was fantastic. I think early in the movie, which of course they kind of make him look like that villain of the week, as you said. Um, it's fun, it's relatable, but as you see him start getting upset with Miles before he literally kicks himself in the butt and then into a another dimension <laughs> whatever you want to call what he did to himself <laughs> yeah into another dimension you could tell he starts getting a little bit of frightening a little bit okay this is interesting and every interaction from there on just gets more and more uncomfortable and besides of course the fun little cameo to the uh venom verse um yeah. <laughs> but but I, I he gets more and more intimidating and so while i'd say um, I do like Miguel O'Hara's character better as a total character. I feel like the peaks of like spots, like like chills. I'm getting chills in my body by the time he's like his fully formed character or fully formed villain. That that got me the most stressed in, in like the entirety of the movie when he's like when he tells Miles, "I'll see you at home." Like I was like, "Oh, that's yeah. this, this is gonna get crazy yeah. now." Uh, Ty, you're going to kick my ass when I say this. First off, you'd be proud. I did not even see a trailer for this movie. Um, I was able to avoid it. And really, because I was like, uh, I'm I'm going to see this opening night no matter what. I want to go in blind. But when Spot showed up, I was like, holy shit, it's Rorschach. Like, I, <laughs> <laughs> all the Watchmen <laughs> storylines were flooding through my head. And then after like 30 seconds, I was like, Wait, that's DC. Damn it! Like, <laughs> yeah, is, is Watchmen? Is, did did Sony get Watchmen? Did Sony get Zack Snyder? Um, <laughs> yeah, though. Uh, Spider Man twenty ninety nine though, I I think is I as Ty kind of hinted at. I think is the better villain in this movie. I think he is truly amazing. I can't wait to see more of him. And again, I have faith that they'll get him right again in part two and i mean we've already talked about the score that's crazy oh god his opening scene you guys are talking about when he like swings into frame and mm-hmm. it's just that song. Yep. <laughs> like holy shit this dude is he is not someone you want to mess with he's clearly seen some shit OP, he's like OP. a ninja vampire spider-man but he's a good guy but he also is talk about sigma holy dear lord when he's like looking at all the monitors he's like i have to do what needs to be done yep (laughs) real dude this is this is pattinson's batman on steroids literally just like emo (laughs) oh my gosh no wonder i love him (laughs) (laughs) we're we're gonna get a 2099 origin story and ty's gonna be like I watch this on the treadmill every morning when I when I run my <laughs> two miles. <laughs> the, the new fuel. No, I'm so pumped, guys. I'm going to the lake at eight in the morning tomorrow with Jack Wade, and awesome. just going on a on just an absolute tear of a run. And I know that this the uh, Miguel's theme song is just gonna be ripping <laughs> in my ear the entire time. But awesome. Miguel's theme song. Yeah. 
Miguel's theme transitioned with uh, La La Land. <laughs> Just to really, really find the fire. <laughs> but no, I want to talk about something Jake brought up. And it's one of the things that was driving me nuts is they kept hinting towards like this vampire element of Miguel, but we never really got any clear indication of what was going on. Like he takes like the the shot in the arm with mm-hmm. some kind of venom. He shows his fangs um, yeah. and almost like bites Vulture. But like what what's going on? Do you guys know the story of Miguel O'Hara? Like I, I don't. Nah, I think he's gonna like tear someone's head off with his teeth next next movie though. It, <laughs> That's the only logical next step for me. And you know what? The way that this movie played into yes, it was funny, but it played into n- not just being like not having darker themes, but just felt like it wasn't really a kids movie. Like I could That's, see them, yeah. I could see them doing something like that in the third movie. Agreed. Two two swear words in this. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, which is like I, twice as many as the MCU. <laughs> <laughs> I the, I was the same way with like I felt the same way about the, um like the energy and just the type of story they were telling and how, you know, in the first movie obviously it's so many pick me ups because it is more of a kids movie and it is more of like, it just it's telling you that heroic story of of uh, Miles Morales but this one is like miles battling and really focusing in as you guys were talking about the embodiment of spider-man and suffering which has been a super common theme in spider-man discourse in the last couple years but i think this one i mean obviously hits it better than pretty much any of them in recent memory especially um yeah but no miguel's insane and and i don't think we've seen even the beginning of him i'm really interested to one obviously see how they progress him as a villain in the next movie now he's like a full full like chase miles finish this job and i'm also curious to see how they develop their side characters because he's got his little team of Issa ray and andy samberg i think that's spider woman and um and ben ben riley i'm interested i wouldn't be surprised to see a little bit more of them and how they interact whether they act as side characters you get more information on them but I, i like that they have his own little team and you, it kind of gets counteracted by Gwen's own team at the end. I don't know if we want to talk about that yet, but um, I, I'm loving it. I'm every element of it. You know, I, I sound like a broken record. No, you're good. I I think it's time to dive into not Gwen's team, but a point you brought up about how this captures the embodiment of Spider-Man and Miles having to deal with that and the consequences of being Spider-Man. And that's what it was playing into for the first hour and a half and then uh, Miguel's character gives the breakdown of like look kid this is how it's supposed to be this is what it means to be Spider-Man but he is the statistical anomaly but in the sense of still being Spider-Man it is the most Spider-Man thing he can do to say like yes I hear you that this is part of like my journey and the universe could collapse if I don't if i let it happen but i have to try because i'm spider-man and i can do it that is perfect it is perfect writing it is perfect character work that's when i was like all right they they have just hit it out of the fucking park here that's no that's why it's special i knew it as soon as uh as soon as the cake metaphor came into play i was like oh this is this is going somewhere yeah 
oh gosh I, i'm thinking of all the moments that made me smile i think the first one like the first big one was when gwen and miles were like sitting upside down Aww. looking at the skyline <laughs> and the the spider-verse theme plays just so good yeah I, i've never wanted a pair of characters to just like be happy and Ugh. like safe more than i wanted those two especially in that moment oh dude they're they're building up the 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 movies like as they mature the characters in just a perfect rate like it doesn't feel unnecessary it doesn't feel too far it doesn't feel too like not realistic for high schoolers it, it's again as i keep saying just absolutely perfect yeah that's another thing i did want to mention too how old is miles in this movie 15 because he's 15 mm-hmm. oh it's a year I, it's... and four months after the original movie yeah he's uh i just noticed he's like noticeably bigger and um he seems a lot more mature now uh and it feels he, he's not a kid anymore and i think that plays into why this doesn't feel like a kid's movie yes God, I'm so glad they did that. They did that so right, and I'm glad you guys are picking up on that too. It never once felt cheesy to me. There was no what we would like to call, Steve, a Disney moment. Would you agree? Yeah, I agree. It, I do. And I, I think that's why it, it approaches um, not just greatest comic, comic book movie of all time, but arguably one of the best movies i've ever seen because it never dumbs down the audience it yeah it really not not necessarily challenges but really makes every audience member dial in a hundred percent there's no subtitles when mama's talking in spanglish there's um just i don't know there's just a lot of little things that they did that made me smile that they're they're making us earn our watch yeah there's uh that does remind me of another moment in my theater where um the mrs morales said something in spanish and some dude in my theater goes "Ooh, she just called him an asshole and i was like (laughs) i pick up on that Okay, so the one thing I'll say about the sound, which I love how they played with the sound, and like you said, make you earn your watch. There's some moments you're not necessarily supposed to be hearing everything being said, and that's, and it's matched by the art theme. This is one of those movies where I'm going to have to watch it three or four times before I even get a grasp of literally of the entirety of the movie because I know there was things I missed. When they do those quick flashes of definitions and signs and stuff, and you see the very end of it, but you don't read the whole thing or whatever... Mm-hmm. Like when this comes out on Disney Plus, which I think it would come out there first, like that's pause and rewind button are gonna be my best friend, I swear. Um, but it is just such, oh god, it's and and um, oh oh, it was the beginning, the part I was thinking of. Sorry, I almost blanked on that, but I remembered it. Um, the very beginning when Gwen is talking, it it's like kind of hard to hear. It's like doubled up with other voices or herself or some echo. And I thought for a good, like, five minutes that our theater sound had, like, messed up or something. So I'm, like, looking up and looking back because I can't really understand too much of what's being said. Yeah. But then it just kind of makes it makes sense once they start telling her story once again and, like, giving you more information. Because, you know, you get a bit of a glimpse in the first movie. But the second you see it all, it just – every decision makes sense. Even if in the second, in the moment it happens, you're like, 
huh, I wish I would have, you know, maybe understood that better or whatever. Within the next, like, minute, you basically are like, that's that's why they made this choice or that choice. I had a lot of moments like that, and I wanted to bring it up, but I felt like camaraderie was so high. But, Steve, you know where I'm going with this, right? Where? This is, there was a lot of tenant moments in, like, the first 20 minutes where I had, a, like, a really hard time hearing the dialogue. Mm-hmm. And... <clears throat> I just have I, I I don't know, but this time around, well, when these guys do it's it's genius. Yep. But when Nolan does it, ah, fuck him! Ah. <laughs> right, 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 right. God, that, dude. that was it. You're insufferable. No, it, no, um, it was just it was just as frustrating. I promise. Okay, I I will admit I just thought my ears were popped still from being sick, and I was like, damn, like this is gonna be a tough watch. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad we all fought it though. So. Yeah. I'm glad we all had the same thought that I'm not going crazy because my hearing sucks. Yeah. So I definitely, I was like, that could have definitely just been me. No, dude, it, it was it was trippy at the at the beginning there. Um, the next thing I wanted to kind of discuss is the concept of canon that gets introduced, which is I think one of the coolest aspects of this movie. It's very meta. Um, what what are you guys' thoughts? Well, one, I think I, I the the big spoiler drop the big like plot shifting drop that miles is an anomaly because we didn't know in the first movie i i think it's had it on the spider but it didn't focus in on that that spider was 42 and when you learn that the spider's from a different earth and and again spot literally created miles it's it's just such like a drop like this is the reason that we've had all these issues and this is why obviously you can't get into the spider um What's that? What was it called? The spider, not the spider. I'm trying basically, to think. What was the name? Basic, spider Society. Yeah, like Seal yeah. Team Six. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Seal Spider Team Six. But um, like seeing that he's not even supposed to be there, and just realizing that he's the reason there's all these messes, but also that's why he's such a unique and and different Spider-Man than everyone else. It, it almost gives me. It gave me more confidence in, like, Miles. I was like, oh, yes. Like, we've been hearing all this, especially in the recent years, about multiverses and canon and things that have to be like this, right? With, like, everything you watch, especially comic book related. In this case, it was like, oh, absolutely. Like, destroy this time. I don't care what it's supposed to look like anymore. That's my (laughs) guy, Miles. I was so hyped for him. And then Katrina brought this up to me. I didn't even think about it. But um, they always talk about, like, the police chief that gets close to your family that dies, whether it's your father, your uncle, whatever whatever it is in any different universe. But then when Gwen Stacy's father quits being a police captain near the end of the – I'm sorry. I know that's the ending. I know we want to get to that later. But yeah. that was just something that came to mind where she was like, would that not be breaking canon? I was like, you've got a point. Yeah. She's, she was, so that's credit to Katrina because she was all over that. She was That was during the movie she noticed that. I, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole quite yet until Steve gives yeah. his canon breakdown, but I do have a question for you regarding that scene. Um. Okay, Ty, I think you know exactly what was pumping through my head when he said that certain things are canon and every Spider-Man must experience certain events. Of course. Every Spider-Man must lose his Gwen Stacy. And... um. In, in The Amazing Spider-Man 2, I think losing Gwen is still my pick for the greatest comic book movie moment of all time. Uh, Miles Rising and Invincible, I'd still have you, Dad. I'd still have you. Are close, like, second and third. But 
do you do you think they actually go down this route? Do you think do you think Miles has to lose his Gwen or maybe to me I instantly thought that he's going to have to make a choice between his dad and Gwen. So here was my question. I'm so glad you brought this up. Jake, I love that point about like Gwen realizing that it's okay to break canon. In my head when Cap- when Captain Stacy said he quit, like I was fearing now like okay if captain stacy is in the clear does this now mean that gwen is now on the path of having to Uh die for miles's journey Mm. and i think they will go down this path there are so many allusions to it dude visually throughout this movie it was like a mental hell like every every time that there's like shifting gears or lots of bars that these spider-men are diving through i that's all i could see and all i could think of um but they literally had like a gwen falling like that same like shooting the web trying to get her and i was fearing while it was happening i was like is this going to be the same exact like whiplash from it because it for a while looked like it might be so i know exactly what you mean they were i mean they were they're playing with our emotions. They know exactly what they're doing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> I, oh gosh, I, I want to talk about the ending so bad. I'm, I'm just gnawing at the bit right now. But Let's just go to it. Take it away. <laughs> it's, God, guys. I, I was just, I mean, of course I was having such a great time. But I know you guys can see me, but the audience can't. When... Miles started to put it together that he wasn't in the right universe. I like shot up in my seat, like like jaw dropped, like, oh, oh really? Oh my god. There's how did I not put this together? And then the the Uncle Aaron moment, um, seeing Mahershala Ali back, it just I I won't I, I wanna just know what you guys what was going on in your head when that happened. I'm going to be honest, I kind of knew as soon as he like had it scan his DNA, I was like, oh, well, his DNA is from that other Earth, so he's getting sent there. Oh. And then um, the whole like stuff with the mom like just didn't make sense at all, and I was like, oh, yeah, like it kind of just furthered my expectations. And then um, I was confused. The only thing that confused me was where where the fuck is Gwen right now? Like, what's happening with that? And then... I realized that she was back in Miles's real like dimension. Um, I did put the pieces together though, so I'm proud of myself because I don't think it sounds like not many people did. Well done. I okay, so humble brag. I did. God, I'm an idiot. Yeah. No, 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 no. Only because really quick, like I mentioned in this movie, they have all those quick flashes of like important plot points. They had a quick flash of Earth 42 after he gets scanned. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, you know, I may not remember exactly which universe Miles is, it, Miles is but I feel like 42 I would have remembered. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm like, I bet. And so it, it starts, you know, it gives you those split pans between him and Gwen. And at first I'm like, I, this is like a back of my head thought. I was like, just keep it in mind. Maybe it's a different universe. At first I'm like, okay, maybe he's in his back in his regular one. But as I'm continuing to watch and they're getting closer, I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure this isn't the same one. And then obviously he sees his mom. And what I would compare um, the Predator or Uncle Aaron coming back in, coming into the room, was a Black Panther 2, which, Steve, I know you're not a, the biggest fan of, when 
when Shuri goes to um, the after the afterlife, I can't remember the name. Um, Ancestral the plane. Movie. Ancestral plane. And God, sees, you're such a dork. And, and sees Killmonger. I had the exact same thoughts. I was like, I, you might as well put the exact same theme when he walked in. Because it was the same, like, he's back. The main, not the main villain of, of, the, of the Spider-Verse movie, but a villain of the movie, but also obviously a complicated figure, just like in Black Panther is back it was oh it, it, my heart dropped but i was so excited when i saw it because i was like that's more uncle aaron so obviously you guys seem to pick up the first twist like no brainer uh-huh. but it's not the only twist in the final act and no. this one like it shocked me that they went this route but i did pick up on it pretty much right away but i think it's just an awesome direction they're taking the story when Miguel is beating the shit out of Miles on the train, and he's talking about how that spider wasn't supposed to bite you. It was supposed to bite someone else. You're the anomaly. Well, it turns out that that spider was supposed to bite Miles in the other universe. And because it didn't, he became the prowler. I think that this is the coolest villain entrance, like villain origin story of the last like 10 years. I, I'm having a hard time thinking of someone else but that reveal of young prowler being miles perfect perfect no it it was it was awesome um and i love the i love the callback to miles being tied up on the punching bag too yeah that was cool yeah, I uh, i i didn't pick up on so i didn't i couldn't figure out who knocked him out as the prowler that was my thing, because I was, I was a little confused, because I didn't think it'd be Miles yet, but I was like, well, Uncle Aaron was, like, right next to him, wasn't he? I was like, did he change his suit that fast? Because he was in his suit when he knocked out Miles originally. And I'm like, man, who is this? And then he says, I'm not, I'm not him, or whatever. And, and then right there, I was like, oh, no way they did it. And I love the detail. I mean, it's a sad detail, but he sounds a little more Hispanic, a little more Puerto Rican because he's been raised only by his mother mm, um i didn't pick that up I, that makes sense no, i noticed that I. in his accent i was like that's really cool like that's awesome that they give a little just a little bit of a of a difference because he's a different person a completely different person but the implications of it were just like it almost makes it it, it just it's crazy to think you could introduce a third villain and make that feel the type of weight you just felt for two villains who have just been stars in the movie and then they do it with a what a one minute introduction to him it is it's again it's just one of those things where you look at this movie you're just like i you know kudos chef's kiss you know writer strike is very valid because without writers we're not getting art like this and obviously vfx that are and stuff like that but just everything oh beautiful Shamik Moore, man, has an uh, an extreme opportunity here to flex his muscles a little bit, playing himself in two di- like two different versions of himself that have clear distinctions between the two. And I'm just really curious to see where they go with this. Like you said, Jake, like he's raised by his mother, but he's been molded by his corrupted uncle. And when like you would think if you met an alternate version of yourself you'd want to like link up and you know try and help each other but i'm pretty sure he's like nah why would i do that like why why nah, would I this is 
This is 20-year-old me as Miles as the Prowler and, like, 16-year-old me is tied up on the Dude, punching bag. I can, I, can, I can already see the TikTok memes in, like, six months. Oh, easily. Yeah. Easily. Oh, my gosh. And, that, and that's the other thing that makes it so crazy about making him the Prowler is not that it's a loophole in other universes, but you expect in, like, a universal multiversal story, like, I can get assistance from other people that, like, you know, I kind of know kind of the idea of Aunt May in the first movie being an assistant. I know it's the same universe, but, you know, two different families coming towards it. There's no he's not getting any help from these guys as far as I'm aware, at least right now. If anything, if I'm Prowler Miles, he probably doesn't know it, but you were the better life I was supposed to have. You know what I mean? Mm. I don't know. And we'll find out, I'm sure, in the next movie when his dad died. But there's a good chance because Miles doesn't get bit by the spider his dad dies sooner, like within that year and four month span or whatever the total movie time is. I, I, I'm so excited to see how they build because they can go so many different little directions with him, just like little branches and leaves of, of how his Prowler character can be. And oh, they're yeah. all going to be just absolutely sick. They're all going to be like, we're, we're going to be here March 25th, 2024, saying the same thing or better probably about his character that's that's my hot that's my prediction right now put it down vegas odds plus 150 i'll take Book it i can't <laughs> wait for pemberton to just build the ultimate like prowler times miles morales score piece for for this like first scene of the next movie steve i i will tell you that that was my my song i referenced earlier the anomaly oh, really? that's the track that they play when they reveal young prowler is miles awesome it's already being built up it's already it's already cooking it's in the lab i i cannot believe that beyond the spider-verse is coming out in march is that i'm so excited yeah march 24th that's the expected date right now the entire time i was watching this movie all i could think to myself is how did this only take five years to get made yeah it it, i would i I can't believe that they're, they must have done it all in it's one go. It's a masterpiece. Go. Yeah. It, it, it's a masterpiece. Frame for frame. There was one shot, very small detail, two shots that keep coming back to my head that I'm just thinking the whole time, like, you did not have to include this, but you did just, just because you wanted to be perfect. There's a scene where Miles and Gwen are swinging together and Miles is trying to catch up to Gwen. He's, you know, standing on the side of a train kids licking the window and he gets distracted (laughs) and very easily they could have just like cut to him like shaking it off and like swinging towards gwen no it's like facial expression squirm shift side left like dodge the train coming by then go get gwen like just like there was like so many little tidbits that i loved there was a distinct detail within miguel's face you could almost see like the the drawings like the early sketches where like you know how artists draw like the yeah the two lines mm-hmm. across the face you could see them on miguel's design like it it was flawless they thought of every meticulous detail and actually implemented it it's awesome um that said where is this in your guys's spider-man rankings one one it's easily one it's not even close for me Okay. Wow. So, so after this conversation, I definitely, like I said, I'm going to need to re-see it two, three, four times. I'm a, I, so Into the Spider-Verse is my third favorite movie ever. 
I it's real close between these two. I into the Spider Verse right now still probably for me and and again not a knock. Like if I'm putting this in my rankings, it's probably four or five all time for me. And again, I haven't seen plenty of classics. I still need to get into that into that level where I can actually have a respectable top ten. But absolutely loved it. But I'd probably put it as my number two at the moment. I could see myself in two more viewings being like easily number one. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's 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 my number three. Um, oh my! Give me a give me a break. <laughs> yeah. I'm 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 hopping I'm hopping off the call. I'm hopping off the call. My favorite Don't. is still the Amazing Spider-Man two, Don't. and then number two is uh, Into the Spider Verse. I think this is number three. I think that come March twenty fifth, probably both of these jump up to number one. But I need the storylines to finish. Got it. I I thought you were just being funny and saying Tasm two and Tasm one or oh no no two. <laughs> no Tasm one is number four though. Yeah, so. Okay, that's fine. Either way. Uh so both of you yeah. both of you like the first one more. It's it's tough. Like I the first one for me like I don't know why but Into the Spider Verse for me just like that was the first time animated visual media was like in my face and i was like this is really really cool and this is this this movie is probably the only reason i lost my body i watched it and it's my favorite movie ever like it just was so fundamentally like meant so much and then i thought it was a great story too you know i love a good like good kid story with a good battle and a good like overcoming adversity but again like i said i mean this one to to put it under into the spider verse is nowhere near a knock because i think this is again easily could jump it within one or two more sh- viewings for me yeah i th- i think that's a possibility for me too i've also like i've done my research on into the spider verse i've read the script i've watched the movie a thousand times i've done i've done everything i need to for that maybe once this script comes out and i read that or Again, I, I, I just really think I need to see the end of the storylines. I, I understand where you're coming from, and I would be surprised. I, I don't know, actually. I, I would say, like, you know, maybe the third movie will dethrone this one. But this was, for me, about as close to what I would imagine The Empire Strikes Back viewing was in 1981. 80? Yeah. 80. 80. 80. 80 yeah. Thank you, Jake. It's funny you guys keep on referencing Empire. The whole time I was just thinking this is this is our Dark Knight. I love it. I'm I'm fine with that too. Well, you know, my first thought when I realized how good this movie was, I'm like, finally a fucking movie that's gonna like shut up all the Dark Knight truthers. I think this movie is better <laughs> than the Dark Knight. I think a lot oh, of movies definitely. are better than the Dark Knight, but let's just hope people can realize that it's better than no way home um please i've seen people arguing about that which look don't get me wrong i'm not i don't hate no way home by any means i think i had a fun time but this is these are two different leagues like yeah very different i'm not talking like true like major league to triple a i'm talking like major league to like high single a that's the type of gap we're talking about between these two movies it's not even just story it's like quality you can tell they just this is their baby. No way home they felt care. like a COVID like money pit. Like it just dumpster fire. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, obviously Ty. You know that I'm I'm not a No Way Home fan, and I kind of it's been dwelling on my mind of what did No Way Home do wrong for me, and 
and not get right so much, but this movie just was able to pull it off so well with pretty much the same like multiverse style concept. And I think that this movie does a better job of the same thing the first one did, which is showing that there's a little bit of Spider-Man in all of us and that anyone can put on the mask, which is a very frequent theme in the first one. Um, but uh, like throughout this movie, like you see Miles experience a lot of things that everybody does. We see him feel alone and we see him have things that he wants to tell people and wants to talk to people about, but he just can't. And uh, even times when he feels betrayed and let down by his, by his friends and his mentors. Um, and I think that the multiverse works very well for this Spider-Man because like we, we can see ourselves in all of the people that Miles interacts with in this spider society and relate to even just the glimpses of, of these characters that are shown rather than just having those three main Spider-Men in No Way Home. You just gave me goosebumps thinking about that. Like that That's such a perfect take. It was just special. Awesome. It and, and and building on what why they do it so well, and you talk about like the MCU and their most and and again MCU has had great moments in the past, but like if you think about it, Endgame like the all woman fighting scene, which was like didn't feel natural, you know, it's just like the way they formulated it, like the one in Infinity War with uh with um, Black Widow, Black Scarlet Widow, Witch. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah, like and um I can't remember Proxima Midnight, third, um, yeah. you oh my god i hate Uh, you so much that one was a great one but it just felt so forced in like endgame and it feels like when they do things like like when they're trying to include diversity i feel like sometimes they do a really bad job of making it feel genuine and again i'm saying this as you know a straight white male i'm not saying that they should be doing it i feel like they could be doing a better job of making it feel like like so personal and when you see these great moments of different cultures being represented in this movie and different lifestyles and all these different things, it feels so genuine. Mm-hmm. It feels like they, every single character was you know, meticulously crafted to honor what they're supposed to represent. And, and like you said, the Spider-Man in all of us. And, oh, yeah, I, I know, again, Broken Clock, I just love everything they did with this movie. And real quick, they can even joke about that stuff. Um... I think the funniest quip that I have in any Spider-Man movie is in the in Into the Spider-Verse um, when Peter B. Parker finds out that Doc Ock is a woman. He's going through like his checklist of how they're gonna infiltrate and steal this like uh, w- what is it doohickey they call it in the that doohickey movie or something. yeah yeah yeah. And he gets there and he's like, step two, I'm going to find the doctor and steal his whatever. And then Miles is like, oh, no, she's a girl. And he's like, all right, step three, reexamine my personal biases. (laughs) (laughs) That that one stuck with me. It's one of my favorite uh, just quick little one-liners. All right. You just mentioned Peter B. Parker. We totally forgot to talk about this. The entire movie I'm thinking, wow, I really feel like Peter B. B. Peter B. Parker's been sidelined in this movie. I, where's Spider Noir? Oh, we get to see the the chick with the robot. Like, where, where yeah. where's the crew? How awesome is it that it's revealed that Gwen has built the army of the the Spider Men oh. and women from the original? That is perfect. And you bring in Kaluuya. Yeah. Yes. It, yep. What what a perfect <sighs> roster. I I that was a great reveal at the end. 
Am I mistaken, or did Nick Cage voice, like, six spider people in this movie? Like, was he the guy on the horse? It sounded like him, but I wasn't sure. Didn't it? Yeah, there were, like, a, a lot of moments where I was like, is that Nick Cage, like, four separate times? Um, anyways, are there any other closing thoughts before we kind of close this pot out? Yes, we mentioned the cameos, and I just want to get your your favorite cameos from the movie. Mine personally was the PS4 Spider-Man showing up. I audibly yeah. went, there was literally no way they did that. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, it's gotta, I mean, it's gotta be Donald Glover as Prowler, yep. which of course relates to him being the MCU yep. Prowler, which he technically is, but I doubt they'll ever actually expand on it in the MCU based on what we've seen so far with the Spider-Man movies. That made me so happy just because of, as we were talking about the backstory of of Miles Morales, like if it's not for Community and Donald Glover, yeah. we don't have these stories. And and to have him have this moment, then Miles and him interact, and it's and again we're working with a live action character and in a very specifically based or uh, created animated character, look nothing alike, and it just feels. It, it feels so fun. There's nothing wrong about it. It just makes sense within the guidelines of the story. And it was, that was my like heartwarming, like that is what this movie is. That's the, that's the whole thing. That's the whole point of the movie is that we can all be Spider-Man and he is the living embodiment in our world of that because he is the inspiration for all of this. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, that's a great take, Jake. That's awesome. Uh, I have I have two favorite cameos. You guys know me. You know what the first one is. Yep, lay it on us, Tasm. Yeah, Andrew Garfield saying saying his goodbye to Captain Stacy. Um, but my second one was, I I'm pretty sure it was J.K. Simmons voicing like yep. every J J Jonah Jameson in every universe. <laughs> yep. Wait wait okay the Lego Spider-Man oh, movies. That was awesome, up. dude. He's one of our best. Yeah. In the theaters, yep. like laughing, like yeah. Oh, that was that was incredible, dude. Incredible stuff. I, again, I feel like every like two minutes, I'm I'm like jumping in with like, oh, by the way, this was awesome too. It's just so hard to gather all the amazing things they've done with this film into like an hour twenty minute like thing like brain set brainstorming session. Beautiful and it. This isn't my favorite, not even close to my favorite, but it's worth an honorable mention. I don't know if you guys have seen Venom, but did you guys pick up on that being yeah. the cashier at the little convenience mm-hmm. store? Yeah, yeah. They they mentioned it was that Earth and stuff. I was so oh, I love I I like the first Venom, so I was I, I liked her. I was happy she was in it. Yeah, yeah. Little I like that tidbit. That was cool. That was a fun uh, another fun cameo. Um, I'm trying to think if I missed any any other big ones but i don't think so toby mcguire yeah um yeah. obviously uncle ben the original surprised there was no tom holland nope. was there nope also jake to answer your question i do not believe this will be streaming on disney plus <laughs> i i'm pretty sure this is going to be on sony's uh streaming service crackle yep he's right <laughs> we're missing we're missing another cameo uh the what's it called the spectacular spider-man 
the animated. Oh, yeah, that was I, cool. There was a lot of people in my theater. I haven't watched it, but I know about him, obviously. Mm-hmm. And and oh, my theater loved that. They were so excited because ev- all these cameras. It wasn't like everyone cheering. It was like, <gasps> yeah, and yeah, you get little murmurs and stuff. Oh, everyone loved Spectacular Spider-Man. He was probably the most excited they were besides Donald Glover of like all the cameos. Very cool. Wow. Very yeah. cool. I think everybody in in this movie theater at any showing did the Leonardo DiCaprio once upon a time in Hollywood meme of pointing at the screen. Yep. <laughs> Just like, hey, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening to this bonus episode of The Blast Podcast. Uh, please go watch this movie in theaters. It is amazing, as we have said a million times. And an experience that I'm positive you will never forget. Uh, Thank you to Jake for joining us today again, and we'll catch you guys next time. Thanks, guys.